Good morning, Ozark Christian College. My name is Lydia Payne, and I'm so excited to be with you all today. Oh my goodness. As I started trying to figure out how to start my sermon, really one question came into mind. If you could invite any three people to a dinner party, they could be dead or alive, doesn't matter, who would you invite and why? So my answer, I mean, you've heard this question before. You've heard it asked a million times, probably. It's asked to start class. It's asked to break the ice at social events. So I'll go ahead and break the ice and give you my answer. First and foremost, I would invite Jesus Christ. Of course, he's our Lord and Savior. It's a given. And then after that, I would invite my girl Jane Austen because she's the best author of all time. That's a fact. You can look it up. And then after that, I would invite, I would actually probably extend a couple of invitations, pull up a couple of extra chairs, and I would invite the five members of the band formerly known as One Direction. Come on, guys. Come on. Gotta get a reunion in there somehow, right? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you would invite celebrities who you just really love or artists who inspire you. Maybe you would invite historical figures that you really want to pick the brains of. But how many of you today would extend the invitation for your dinner party to your local drug dealer? How many of you would invite the ex-convict who lives down the block? How many of you would invite the woman who stands at the street corner day in and day out, waiting for someone to come and buy her body? We're continuing our chapel series today called Unexpected Love where we look at these moments where Jesus meets someone and he loves them in extraordinary ways. And today, the text that we'll be going through is Luke 7, verse 36 through 50. And we'll be continuing and looking in this story where we'll see that Jesus, he would answer that dinner party question differently than us. We would be likely to say no, but he sees things differently. So like I said, our text is Luke 7, 36 through 50. So open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 7. I'll be reading the text and just making some observations along the way. Starting in verse 36, it says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Let's pause right here and talk about banquets, right? So when we think of dinner parties today, we think of inviting our friends over. Maybe they'll bring a couple extra side dishes to share. We'll hang out in the kitchen in the living room, and it'll just be like a chill, fun time. But back then, dinner parties were public affairs, right? See, the homes of the wealthy, they had these large, wide-open courtyards in their homes, all for the purpose of hosting dinner parties that the public could actually walk in on and kind of catch a glimpse of. These randos could kind of just wander in and see who was sitting at that host dinner table. If that's hard for us to picture, let me give you an example to help us think of that, right? So you know how all of us are about to go into spring break and your friend is gonna be going somewhere awesome. They're gonna post on their Instagram story, pictures of their trip, sites that they're seeing, all the amazing food that they're trying, and you're gonna watch that Instagram story from your bed back home It's basically like the ancient Palestinian equivalent to that, right? Let's keep reading. In verse 37, it says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Notice how she's seeking him, not the other way around. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, 
She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Twice now, this woman has been identified as a sinner, first by her own town, and second by this Pharisee. We don't know what kind of sin she committed. The text doesn't make it a point to tell us. Maybe she owed money, maybe she was a prostitute, but whatever it is, the point is clear. If Jesus was a prophet, he would have nothing to do with her. And yet, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? The obvious answer here would be, yes, Jesus, of course he sees her. He's pretty ticked that she's there. But Jesus is asking, no, Simon, do you see her? Simon probably wasn't able to see who she was beyond what she had done. But Jesus could, and that's why he tells this parable. See, back then, one denarius was about the cost of like a day's worth of pay. So 50 denarii was about the cost of buying for something like, like a new tire, right? 500 denarii was about the cost of buying a new car. You see the difference? I came into your house, Jesus says. You do not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You do not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You do not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Anyone who's taken Old Testament with John Kerr knows that hospitality in the ancient world was a huge deal. Hosts were expected to treat their guests with the utmost respect and affection. They were expected to greet their guests warmly with a kiss. They were expected to offer olive oil for any dry skin or dry hair. They were even expected to send in a servant with a towel and a basin to wash the guests' feet. And Jesus, he sees that Simon the Pharisee didn't do any of this, and the woman who interrupted has done so much more than what basic hospitality would have dictated back then. So he flat out tells Simon that this sinful, broken woman that you see, she loves God more than you, the religious, pious Pharisee. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The unexpected love of Jesus changes us. And I think there are two ways that this text specifically mentions that of ourselves that get changed, right? First, the unexpected love changes our reputation. Jesus' unexpected love changes our reputation. 
If we step inside the shoes of this woman, I'm sure we'll see that Jesus' love changed her reputation, right? Now, I mentioned before that we don't know what sin she had committed, but judging from the reaction of the Pharisee at the party, we could probably guess that she was an adulteress of some sort or even a prostitute. Imagine with me for a second. She was probably in isolation from her entire community. She wasn't around anybody except for the men who would use and abuse her. As she walked through the town, she was meted with, or meted, met with glares and with insults. People would just not make eye contact with her, they would turn their heads, or they would purposefully make fun of her. She was treated as less than human. People might have even spit on her as she walked by. She couldn't be a part of her community. She probably couldn't go have any friends. She probably couldn't go to the market stand with the other women, like the woman at the well in John 4. I'm sure she had to go draw her water at the heat of the day just to avoid ridicule. And yet somehow this woman learns about Jesus. Maybe she stumbles upon his teaching one day. She listens in and realizes that he's speaking the truth. Maybe she sees him have compassion on others like her in situations just like hers. Maybe she breaks bread with him. He was known to eat with prostitutes and sinners. And so when she finds him at this party, she weeps with gratitude. And Jesus, he shows her love unexpectedly by making it clear to everyone in that courtyard that he has forgiven her. He changes her reputation. He restores her honor. She goes from being despised and considered worthless to being loved and seen and known. I'm not sure what you guys have done in your life, but I know that it can be so easy to believe those lies that tell us that what we've done and who we are is unforgivable. But trust me when I tell you that those are lies from the pits of hell. The truth is that we are forgiven by Christ because he deeply and dearly loves us. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter who we are. Christ has forgiven us. He loves us just like how much he loves that woman. And the woman, she's not the only character in this story. If we step into Simon's shoes, we can see how Jesus changes his reputation as well. Like I mentioned, we don't know much about Simon either but we do know that he has a firm idea as to how the world works, right? In his life, Simon the Pharisee has done everything right. Since he was a child, he's obeyed the law, he's studied God's word, he's even risen to the ranks of becoming a Pharisee. He is treated with respect everywhere he walks. When he goes through the streets of his community, people look up to him as a leader. Simon might not have been the most wealthy, but he did have enough to afford to provide for his family and his servants. I'm sure this isn't the first banquet that he's ever thrown before. And chances are Simon's probably feeling pretty good about himself right now, right? Think about it. The upstart new prophet is sitting at his dining room table, right? Simon's probably thinking that he has the opportunity to put on a good show for his guests and maybe even drop a few truth bombs on him, right? Simon is probably thinking that his synagogue Will be the talk, or his bank will be the talk of the synagogue for weeks to come. And it probably was, but not for the reasons that he was hoping. Suddenly, this woman bursts in, and Simon is horrified. 
His banquet goes from being the Simon show to another kind of show, if you know what I mean. Simon finds this woman's presence offensive, and Jesus' sudden acceptance of her is even more so. But Jesus, he hears those prideful comments from Simon, and he doesn't let those go unmet. So he challenges him in order to open his eyes. Jesus tells, turns to Simon and tells him this parable so that he can tell him, buddy, you've actually got it all wrong. And honestly, if I can be frank with you, friends, I think some of us need to lean into this parable as much as Simon did. See, I think that we can tend to believe there's two types of people in the world, right? There's 50 denarii sinners and there's 500 denarii sinners. Simon thought that he was a 50 denarii sinner. And we can probably think that about ourselves too. I mean, yes, everybody makes mistakes. And sometimes we lose our temper. Sometimes we say that thing that's really funny but not the most kind. But hey, we're not that bad, right? Honestly, the truth is, there's no such thing as a 50 denarii sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's delusional for us to think that we're better off than others. But there's good news. Despite the fact that all of us owe more than we could ever pay, Jesus has forgiven every one of us. He's forgiven us abundantly and extraordinarily. It doesn't matter if we're like the sinful woman or if we're like the prideful Pharisee. He has forgiven us because he loves us dearly and deeply. He wants us to be in relationship with him. The unexpected love of Jesus changes our reputation. The second aspect of ourselves that gets changed is our response. The unexpected love of Jesus changes our response. We know that our reputation has changed, and the woman, she knew that too. If we step back into the story, we can look at her again. This woman, she knows Jesus, and she's accepted him to be who he says he is, the Messiah. Never before has she heard someone speak with so much kindness and so much authority in the same breath. And so she knows that he means it when he says he can forgive every sin. She knows that she's been forgiven by the Son of God. And then out of the corner of her eye, she sees that alabaster jar. So that jar, it held an expensive perfume, probably pure nard, which was about the cost of a year's worth of wages. That perfume was held in that jar, right? And the way that it was shaped was probably wider on the bottom, but it had a longer skinny neck on top. These jars weren't opened and closed with a lid or a cork. The way that you got the perfume out was by cracking open the top of the lid, or the top of the jar, I guess. I'm sure you could picture the scene with me then. Jar in her hands, this woman arrives at the party, and once she sees Jesus, there's a loud crash that rings out through the courtyard. Everybody turns their heads, and they see her just weeping and wailing and rushing towards Jesus. She knows that this man is her savior. She knows that this man is her redeemer. She knows that she's safe with him. This woman was so used to being abused and at being timid and having to shrink back in every space that she had ever entered. But now, now she's not afraid of taking up room and making a scene and being loud. If I could just talk to the sisters in the room for a minute, let me tell you when I say that Jesus, we are always safe with him. He will always welcome us in to move boldly for his kingdom. 
It is impossible for us to love him too loudly. This woman, she responds with this emotional display of gratitude and love. And Simon the Pharisee responds with nothing. There's an author that I really love. Her name is Lori Ferguson Wilbert. She wrote an excellent book called Handle with Care, and she writes about this very story. And in it, she writes, Jesus was telling the Pharisee that the mark of a Christian who knows they are loved much is that they love much. And in this passage, the one who is loved much, the woman, washes the dirty, grimy, crusty, cracked feet of the one who loves her. The man whose love has flowed all directions as his feet have carried him from city to city, table to table, person to person. The mark of a Christian who knows they are loved much is that they love much. This woman knew that she was forgiven and loved by Jesus, and her response was to humbly give him the love that he deserves. We must do the same, friends, because he lavished love upon us by taking our place on that cross. Jesus loved us to the point of death. He sacrificed himself for us. He took the punishment that we deserve. He faced our consequences despite the fact that he was innocent and powerful and that he was pure. He loved us so greatly, he sacrificed himself for us. And friends, our task is to love that greatly in return. We must love greatly because we are forgiven freely. Our reputation has changed, and so our response has to change with it. We must love greatly because we are forgiven freely. Whenever I was studying this text, preparing for this sermon, all I could keep coming back to was how grateful I was to Jesus for loving me and for saving me, for choosing me to be inside his kingdom. I kept thinking, I wish I could show him that I love him as much as this woman did. And then I realized that I can. We all can. We must show the one who has forgiven us and loved us that we love him that much back. It's not just about being on your knees in worship in chapel, guys. It's about being on your knees cleaning up after those kids at youth group. It's about being patient and compassionate with your coworker when they frustrate you. It's about being slow to anger and slow to speak, but quick to listen. It's about putting the needs of those on your dorm floor above your own. And yes, even if you have a mountain of homework, and yes, even if you're running on one and a half sink lattes and two hours of sleep. However it looks, friends, the point remains that we must love greatly because we've been forgiven freely. Never forget that. As we go into the rest of this week, as we go into our spring break, and even into the rest of the semester, I just want to leave you with this reminder today. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace.